1: You know, I really shouldn't be surprised by these things. I, I don't know why I allow these things to surprise me sometimes, but a you know, funny thing has happened over the last few months that WWE was, was clearly not anticipating. And honestly, there were probably a lot of fans who weren't expecting this either. This groundswell of support for LA Knight, the man who was called up to the main roster as a modeling agent, Remember when he first got called up, he was Max Dupree. Vince McMahon didn't see him as a big star on his roster. He didn't see him as maybe being a world champion one day. He saw him as somebody he could use to try to get other people over. And that didn't work out. That didn't work out too well. But what did work out for LA Knight was the timing of all of the stuff that happened last year with Vince McMahon when he went away and he took a little vacation. And Triple H took over as the head of of content, the head of creative in WWE. So L.A. Knight was able to get his name back. He was able to get his name back and his identity back. And it looked like, wow, this guy might actually have a chance. And for a while there, even Triple H, Triple H didn't do much with him. But in the last few months, even though he was a heel, the people started to chant L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight. L.A. Night. They started to get behind this guy, even though the company did nothing, nothing that would make you believe that they had any intention of pushing him as a, a top baby face or anything like that. But the crowd just naturally gravitated towards this guy. And you saw the reaction in London for Money in the Bank. You saw the reaction at Madison Square Garden. He wasn't even on the show. They sent him out there with death row before the show went on the air and the video on YouTube did over a million views and it was this big deal. And every place they go, no matter what city, no matter what country they're in, they're chanting L.A. Knight. You would think this guy was one of the top three baby faces in the entire company. They still consider him to be a heel. So when L.A. Knight was slotted in one of two fatal four-ways, to determine who would go to the finals to crown a number one contender for the United States Championship, you would think, you know, this man went into Money in the Bank and didn't win. And I was actually okay with that. I was pulling for LA Knight, but I said, you know what, Damian Priest is my pick. Damian Priest won Money in the Bank because it made sense for the Judgment Day story that they were telling. He was within a fingertip of pulling down the briefcase... Almost there, and then he gets knocked off the ladder. And at the Money in the Bank post-show press conference, somebody asked Triple H, because Triple H now thinks he's Tony Khan, so he does these post-show media scrums. And somebody asked Triple H about LA Knight and about him losing in the Money in the Bank match. And Triple H made a comment at that media scrum. His response to this was to say, Good things come to those who wait. It was kind of like his way of giving you a wink and a nod, like, be patient. And maybe he was actually communicating that in a way to LA Knight himself. Be patient. All good things come to those who wait. I intend to hold him to that. I am not. I don't even want to hear about Vince McMahon or anything. That was Triple H who was at that media scrum who made that comment. I'm going to hold him to that. And I hope that he really meant what he said that day. Because they clearly have something very special in L.A. Night. Now, I don't know how far they'll be able to take it. Is he going to be a world champion one day? Maybe not. But right now, you've got something special with this guy. Even tonight, when his music hit and the building went nuts. right? we It's been a while since we've seen somebody consistently get these kinds of reactions. And he's certainly a charismatic guy. I would like to think, I would like to say, you know, they they see what they have in this man, they see the numbers, they see the the t-shirt sales and all the metrics that they use to measure these things, surely they can come up with something for this man. And when they announced this match last week, I said, LA Knight should win, and LA Knight should go on to challenge Austin Theory for the United States Championship. It's the next logical step. You do something with him, you want to put a title on him, you're not going to put the WWE title on him. The U.S. title right now is being held hostage by Austin Theory. Austin Theory is being held hostage by the booking since WrestleMania. A match with John Cena. He beats John Cena at WrestleMania. What did it mean? Nothing. It meant nothing. Here we are in July. Austin Theory beat John Cena at WrestleMania. Who gives a fuck? Fuck. Because look at what they have done with Austin Theory since WrestleMania. So the sooner they get that title off of Austin Theory, the better it will be for the United States Championship. It was right there. But I did mention last week that if it's not going to be LA Knight, I could see it being Rey Mysterio. Because you had LA Knight, Rey Mysterio, Sheamus, and Cameron Grimes. Now, Cameron Grimes didn't stand a fucking chance in hell of winning that match. We knew that already. Sheamus, we already saw Sheamus against Austin Theory. So it was going to be L.A. Knight or Rey Mysterio. One of those men was going to go on next week to wrestle Santos Escobar for the right to challenge for the United States Championship. And it seemed like this was an easy one. They opted to go a different way. Because when the match was over, L.A. Knight, once again, is a loser. And it will be Santos Escobar next week against Rey Mysterio in a battle between the members of the LWO. And guess what? Guess what those two were probably fighting for? The right to challenge for the United States Championship on SmackDown. Because honestly, as I look at this, it almost doesn't even matter that LA and I didn't get the win tonight, because most likely, whoever's going to be challenging Austin Theory for that title, it's probably not going to be on the SummerSlam card. It's probably just going to be thrown out on TV anyway. So in the end, what does it really matter? But I'm going to hold Triple H to what he said of that money in the bank press group. That good things come to those who wait. And that surely they will not, this time, under his watch, even with the old man looking over his shoulder, I'm sure, surely this time, they're smart enough to understand that you strike when the iron is hot and you take advantage of what you see before your eyes. That's funny, he told uh, Chris Van Vliet, L.A. Night did, in an interview before Money in the Bank, Chris is a big L.A. Knight guy, and he was telling him, yeah, yeah, just hear, you hear, you use your ears, and you can hear it, you can hear the reactions. And L.A. Knight made a comment, he said, well, some people don't have ears. I hope Triple H has two functioning ears, and he can hear what's going on, and in the end, he will live up to what he said in Money in the Bank. Tonight, though, it was not meant to be. We had Roman Reigns and Jey Uso, who were billed for a meeting tonight to set the rules of engagement for their match at SummerSlam. We found out that it will be under Tribal Combat. If you're wondering what Tribal Combat is, we didn't really get a great explanation of what Tribal Combat is. Basically, it will be no holds barred. Anything goes. Honestly, the bloodline has been the best part of this show now for months. What we saw tonight, closing out the show between these two, was the weakest bloodline segment in a very long time. Usually, as the bloodline segments go, so goes SmackDown. So you can have a really great bloodline segment, and and when the show is over, it's like, all right, you know what, that felt like a pretty good episode of SmackDown. Sometimes the show is so bad, it's not enough to save the show. Tonight was one of those nights where it just wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to make this show all that interesting. This was definitely not the strongest episode of SmackDown that we have gotten out of this company in recent times. But as the bloodline stuff goes, not a whole lot here. Guess who else was on the show tonight? Dominic Mysterio. Dominic Mysterio has had a very busy week because Dominic Mysterio is the brand new NXT North American champion. He won the title from Wesley on the show on Tuesday night. And tonight, Dominic Mysterio pulled off a very impressive feat. He he may have made history tonight. He pulled off a very impressive feat. He is a member of the Raw roster who is defending an NXT championship on SmackDown. Now, I, I don't want to make a comparison here and say that Dominic Mysterio is the new Mike Awesome back in the day when you had WWE allowing Taz to go to an ECW show to wrestle A WCW contracted Mike Awesome for the ECW World Championship. It's not quite that, but yes, we had a raw talent defending the NXT Championship, well, not the NXT title, but an NXT Championship on SmackDown. Amazing. But that's what happened tonight. We got to see the first defense of Dominic Mysterio as the North American Champion. There were NXT stars crawling all over the show tonight. They were like cockroaches crawling all over the place tonight. They were in the crowd. They were in the back. It doesn't matter. You can spray one with Raid. There'd be two more that popped up all night long with the NXT stars because they were in Orlando, which, of course, is their home base and the home of the WWE Performance Center. And this month also just so happens to be the 10-year anniversary of the opening of the WWE Performance Center. And there's also been a lot of synergy lately between the main roster and NXT. That Dominic Mysterio match on Tuesday apparently did Huge numbers for NXT at the end of the show on Tuesday. So prepare to see more of that. We're going to see more main roster crossover on Tuesdays. We're probably going to see more NXT talent showing their faces and popping up on TV. Not not as many as this week uh, because again they were in Florida, so it was very easy for them to just have everybody backstage. Um, but yeah, they were they were crawling all over the show tonight. Now there's another uh, important point about tonight's show, uh, and this comes from PW Insider. There were late changes made to the show. And believe it or not, these did not have to do with Vince McMahon. But there were late changes made to the show tonight. Per PW Insider, the word making the rounds at uh, the show in Orlando is that the reason that these changes were made is that there were talents pulled for medical reasons. And one version making the rounds is that there were COVID positives. We haven't We haven't heard these reports in a while. But apparently there were COVID positives or talents who were in direct contact with someone who tested positive for COVID and uh, therefore were not on the show. So, for example, WWE, initially, they were not going to announce the Women's Championship match for SummerSlam by just putting out a tweet and putting out posts on social media, which is what they did earlier uh, this afternoon. They made the announcement on all their social channels that at SummerSlam, it's going to be Asuka defending her WWE Women's Championship against Charlotte Flair uh, and Bianca Belair. They just kind of threw it out there. And we knew that was the direction they were going in anyway. Uh, but originally, the initial plan was to have this uh, match revealed in the ring with Adam Pierce uh, on the show, and they would have uh, all three women in the ring together. Early plans for the show had EO Sky one on one with Zelina Vega, uh, but the decision was made to change the segment, and we ended up with EO Sky instead one on one with Charlotte Flair. So uh, some late. Changes late in the day to the show. Some things had to be changed. Drew McIntyre is there as well. Uh, He did not appear on screen, but I guess he might be there uh, to be part of the dark match. But this is your Friday Night SmackDown review for July 21st, 2023. I am the Monster. Thank you for joining me. Now, SmackDown opened. Let's take it back to how we started. SmackDown opened with the second of two Fatal Four Ways. The first one was last week in what they were calling the U.S. title Invitational. Last Friday, it was Santos Escobar moving on to the finals, which will take place next week. Tonight, it was Rey Mysterio, Sheamus, Cameron Grimes, and L.A. Knight fighting for that second spot. Grimes and L.A. Knight, interesting uh, history between those two. This was the first time they shared the ring together since their feud back in NXT when they were feuding over the million-dollar Title. L.A. Night was the last to enter and the only one to get mic time. So again, there's a reason why I didn't open the stream by going on a big rant about how he's buried. You didn't hear me use that word. People are already coming at me on social media. They saw that I mentioned in the in the original uh, title of the video earlier today, will they do the right thing with L.A. Night? So already I was getting messages from people. You were saying, Solomonster? are you ready to admit that he's buried? No. No, he's not buried. Again, I'm very cautious in how I use that word just because so many people don't know what that means and they just throw that word around. There were things they did on the show, and this was one of them. It's a small thing. I would rather he won the match, but having him come out last and putting a microphone in his hand, they didn't do that for Rey Mysterio. They didn't do that for Sheamus. They didn't do that for Cameron Grimes. They were smart enough to understand we got to put a mic in this guy's hand and let him cut a quick promo and say his catchphrase before he goes down to the ring. So L.A. Knight comes out. He says, SummerSlam is right around the corner, and it's the biggest party of the summer, and the party he wants to go to is the one where he captures the United States Championship. He said that there are three men in his way that will find out whose game it is, and the crowd chanted, L.A. Knight. And uh, in retrospect, of course, now that I read these words back, (laughs) it does make him look kind of stupid. For him to come out and say that he wanted to be part of SummerSlam. And now it looks like he's going to be left off the SummerSlam card. The least they could do is get him a promo segment. He needs to be on that show. Doesn't matter what he does. Let him come out and beat up Death Row again. But it would be ridiculous for LA Knight to not appear and have some kind of a role on the SummerSlam card this year. They're going to have 45,000 people in that stadium. He's one of the most popular stars in the entire company right now. How the fuck are you not going to have him on that show? in some way hopefully he'll still be on there it's only a kick
2: a jump a block it's only a serve it's only a tackle a run it's only for the fans after all it's only pressure you got this adidas
1: Now, they showed Wesley and Dragon Lee, no relation, although I'm sure people watching who don't watch NXT are looking at these two saying, boy, you know, they must be adopted or something because they sure do, they don't look anything alike. Although, I guess Dragon Lee has a mask on, so it's kind of hard to tell. But they were in the crowd, both men from NXT. All All it took was Wesley losing the North American title on Tuesday to finally get him some face time on the main roster. This was his main roster debut tonight, showing up in the crowd. Austin Theory was ringside for the match. He was next to the announcers. He was not with the announcers. He was not on commentary like he was last week. He was on commentary for the first Fatal 4 away last week, and he was no good, which is probably why he was not on commentary. He was demoted to sit next to the announcers this week because they probably listened to that and they said, you know what? They, they spared him from the embarrassment this week. He, he did not do a great job on commentary. You know that you're, you're, you've been outclassed on commentary when Michael Cole is taking shots at you and, and making jokes at your expense, basically roasting him on commentary last week. So thankfully for him, they, uh, they had him sitting to the side. There was a spot early where Sheamus and Ray, they were working together. They delivered the 10 beats to LA Knight and Cameron Grimes. Mysterio then tried an arm drag on Sheamus, but that went nowhere. Sheamus stopped him in his tracks. Sheamus picked up Ray. He slipped out, sent Sheamus into the ropes. And uh, this backfired because Sheamus caught him with an Irish Curse backbreaker. Now, there was a Tower of doom Doomspot uh, in the middle of this match here with Ray, Sheamus, and Knight where it looked like they were very unsteady on the ropes and maybe they weren't on the same page. I think part of the problem is they were waiting for Cameron Grimes to kind of fly in. For the spot, and maybe he was a little late in getting there, so there was some awkwardness on the ropes with the other three. Finally, though, here comes Grimes, and we got the Tower of Doom. Unfortunately for Grimes, it looked like he got the worst of it because on his way down, LA Knight fell on top of him. It looked like with all of his weight, uh, but he was okay. That took us into a commercial break. After the break, on the floor, Mysterio sent Grimes into Theory, who got up out of his seat and got out of the way. So Grimes uh, ate the chair. Sheamus then came off the top rope. He landed a double clothesline on the floor to Mysterio and Grimes. Then he hit a top rope clothesline on L.A. Knight, followed by White Noise for a near fall. So Sheamus was signaling for the brogue, and again, to show you how over L.A. Knight is. People love Sheamus. Sheamus is a babyface. He's a respected veteran. People like Sheamus and they cheer for him, but here... When he was signaling for his finish, he got booed. Why did he get booed? Because this was a very pro-LA Knight crowd. So they actually were booing him as he was setting up for his finish. He tried for the kick, uh, but LA Knight caught Sheamus coming in, kind of. Again, this was kind of clunky. He barely caught him, but he slammed him down and covered him. Mysterio broke it up. So it looked like after this, like L.A. Knight might be setting up for a burning hammer. I was like, wait a minute here. Because he got Sheamus up on his shoulders and he dumped him. It wasn't a burning hammer. It was more of an inverted uh, DVD. And Mysterio broke up the pin attempt. Ray came back. He hits a 619 on L.A. Knight. And then he hits one to Cameron Grimes and Sheamus at the same time because they were both in the ropes together. So he covers Grimes. Ray has the match won. Austin Theory decides this would be a fine time. To go ahead and pull Rey Mysterio out of the ring. So he pulls Rey to the floor. Now here comes Santos Escobar, right? Fellow member of the LWO. Santos Escobar is going to face the winner of this match next week. He comes down to the ring. He attacks Austin Theory. He brawls with him, chases him off into the crowd. In the ring, LA Knight lands his, I'm just going to call it the People's Elbow until he comes up with a better name for it. It's like his version of the People's Elbow, basically. I talked about this with the segment with Death Row before the uh, the MSG show a few weeks ago. They put it on YouTube, and he hit, now his blunt force trauma finish is almost like a takeoff of the stunner in a way, and he's got that elbow where he hits the ropes, he comes off and he does the jumping elbow, so it, it does kind of look like he's using versions of the stunner and the people's elbow. I'm going to call it the people's elbow until he comes up with a name for it. So he hits the people's elbow. But then he gets up and he walks right into a brogue kick from Sheamus. And this is where I knew all hope was lost. All hope was lost. As soon as he ate the brogue, I said, this guy's not winning shit. So he gets kicked in the face. Grimes lands a cave-in on Sheamus that, honestly, it, it did not look that good. I used to Look, I used to make the comment about that move when he was doing it in NXT. A lot of the times, it just doesn't look good. you got to time it just right. Kofi Kingston uses that move. And with Kofi, it's the same thing with Kofi. When Kofi would do that kind of standing double stop, where he's trying to catch somebody as they're coming in, a lot of times it just doesn't look good. It doesn't look very impactful. Uh, so I, I was never a huge fan of the cave-in. But hits that on Sheamus, Mysterio then surprised Grimes with a Hurricane Rana into a pin for the win at the twenty-minute mark. And so that means that next Friday night it will be the battle of the LWO members. It is going to be Rey Mysterio. One-on-one with Santos Escobar. The two of them shook hands, and they shared a hug after the match was over. Now, Ray was not using his right arm, something I noticed when the match was over, and Ray was posing on the ropes, and then he went over to Escobar. Escobar wanted a handshake, and you can see Ray. He's like, yeah, I can't really, you know, extend my hand out. So maybe he was just selling. It looked like maybe he dinged his arm. It doesn't mean it's a serious injury, but that's concerning. You know, Rey Mysterio, any anytime you see something like that, and it's Rey, and obviously Rey is is no spring chicken anymore, and he's had his share of injuries, uh, hopefully that's uh, nothing serious. They worked hard. I thought the match was good. Um, def- not as good as the, the four away from last week. There was definitely some sloppiness throughout this match, and... I would not call this a great showing for LA Knight. He looked tentative in some spots. There was w- another spot where he was supposed to break up the pin. He was late on breaking up the fall. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you and say that, oh, this was such a great showing for LA night. Uh, when I say sloppiness, he had a lot to do with that. This was not his greatest night in the ring. No pun intended. Not his greatest night in the ring. But the there was a rumor going around, and I don't know where this originated from. I think I do. It was one of these Twitter accounts, but... There was a rumor uh, before the show that WWE is seriously considering having a Latino champion in the company, and it didn't specify what title or anything like that. Escobar would fit that bill. If Santa, or, I mean, I guess Rey would too, but Santos Escobar winning next week and going on to beat Austin Theory and become the U.S. champion would fit that bill. And the LWO has been hot. They've been selling a lot of merch, which is why they're featured so prominently on the shows. Um, so it would make sense if they want to elevate him and elevate the group and put a championship on him. Uh, Escobar against Ray is going to be very good. This is a match I've been waiting to see for a very long time. I didn't think it would come babyface against babyface like this. Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar next week is going to be a very good match. Uh, I'm not saying that it won't. But the other rumor was that the push for L.A. Night would be coming after SummerSlam. So that was the other half of this uh, report here. And that's all well and good. My, my issue, again, to go back to what I was saying without sounding like a broken record. When you have somebody as over as he is, and you have one of your biggest shows of the year coming up, Big stadium show. SummerSlam arguably you could say is the second biggest show of the year. For me, I I would say third because I love the Royal Rumble. So for me, it goes Mania, then Rumble, and then SummerSlam. When you have someone as over as he is and you're heading into one of your biggest shows of the year, it would be criminal. If he's not on the injured list and you have him sitting in the back doing nothing, it would be criminal for him not to be on the show. Which is why I said before. Find something for him to do. Even if it's not a match. Put him in the ring with somebody. Put him in the ring in a talking segment, which is where he shines, because we know the guy, he's got the gift of gab. We know he can talk. That's really what's gotten him over. More than his matches. (laughs) He hasn't really had that many big matches anyway, but more than his matches, it's his mouth. It's his personality. It's his charisma. In some ways, he's kind of a throwback. Right, we can get into this whole debate again, what Kevin Nash said a few weeks ago about him being a fucking uh, rock ripoff or whatever. But you know what? Reminding people of The Rock, when The Rock used to come out on TV back in his prime, is not a bad thing. And it is insane to me to think that with a show like SummerSlam coming up and you have the people telling you we want to see more of this guy, do something with this guy. His music hits, we cheer for it. We're doing his catchphrase, right? We're doing everything you want us to do. We're supporting him. Now it's time for the company to throw their support towards him, get him on the show in some kind of role. doesn't matter what it is. The other point I would make about this is when when this segment was over, and it was good that he was not the one to eat the pinfall in the match. That's the other good thing about it. They could have easily had Sheamus hit him with a bro kick, and then Sheamus gets knocked out, Ray covers him, and steals the pin. They did not pin L.A. Knight in the match. So he lost, but he didn't really lose, if that makes sense. So that's good. But one thing I it made me think about when this was over, and, and one of my fears, is that it doesn't turn into another Cesaro situation from 2014. Because we've been here before with other people, and Cesaro is one of, I'm sure we could come up with many different names over the years that you could say people were supportive of or they were getting over and WWE either buried them or didn't do anything with them or they did, but then it was too late. I remember when uh, Randy Orton, when when, uh, all the Randy Orton RKO stuff went viral. I mean, like, there were videos everywhere of Randy Orton. The RKO out of nowhere was like this big viral craze. And it took WWE, I think it took them months to get, an RKO out of nowhere t-shirt out it's like by the time they did the craze was over and I just I always think back to that it's like there's a history here sometimes of WWE waiting too long to kind of jump on the bandwagon but I think of Cesaro back in 2014 they had something organic in him people were getting behind the people were already getting behind him with with the uh the Real Americans. They were really getting behind him. He got that big win in the Andre Battle Royal, the very first one at WrestleMania 30, when he picked up Big Show, and he body slammed him out of the ring. And my fucking God, the whole building, and I was one of them, the whole building went nuts. And I thought this could really be the start of something for Cesaro. Like this right here, forget everything that happened before this, this moment right here could be the launching pad to something really big for this guy. And then the next night on Raw, They bring Paul Heyman out to be his manager. And I thought, this is awesome. And everybody in the building was going nuts when he came out. Basically, you know, to replace Zeb Coulter, here's Paul Heyman, right, who's usually managing Brock Lesnar. Is he going to bring Cesaro into the faction, right? That's huge for Cesaro. And then it was all downhill from there after that. Because as we would find out years later, Paul Heyman himself admitted The company never had any intention of pushing Cesaro and taking advantage of all the momentum that he had. The reason they put him with Cesaro is because Brock Lesnar was going on his usual sabbatical. He had just beaten The Undertaker at WrestleMania and ended the streak. And they wanted to make sure that Paul Heyman had a reason to be on television every week so that he can come on TV and constantly remind us that Brock Lesnar was the one in 21-1 and until Brock was ready to come back. It had nothing to do with them wanting to push Cesaro. And then ultimately they miss they missed the boat on him. Cesaro is a better wrestler than L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight is a better promo than Cesaro. And here's the ultimate point. It doesn't matter how good of a promo L.A. Knight is. He can come out and have the people in the palm of his hand. He can get big pops. He could come out there and talk. He did it tonight, right? I want to go to SummerSlam, the biggest party of the summer i got to go through these three guys, but I'm going to do it, and I'm going to be the next United States champion. And he goes out there and he loses, and now it looks like he won't even be on the show. It's like the Bray Wyatt thing. It doesn't matter how many promos you cut, talking tough, and talking about how you're going to win, and you're going to be the champion, and you're going to be this, and you're going to be that, and it doesn't matter how entertaining his promos might be. At some point, if he doesn't start winning, it's all going to fall apart. People are going to start to see through him. They're going to say, wait a minute, this guy's coming out here every week and he talks a big talk, but he fucking loses. So at some point, he has to start winning. The tide has to turn in his favor. And that's the point that I'm trying to make here. It wasn't tonight. And just because it wasn't tonight doesn't mean it can't happen in a few weeks. But I thought that the first SmackDown coming out of Money in the Bank, which he lost, Given the reaction, surely he'll be on the show, and then he wasn't. So I'm not gonna sit here and say that well, if they're waiting until after SummerSlam, I'm sure that first SmackDown, that first Friday after SummerSlam, he'll have a prominent role on that show. For all I know, they may leave him off the fucking show altogether. You know, fool me one, shame on me. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and make any predictions about what's gonna be after SummerSlam. Good things come to those who wait. In the immortal words of Triple H, I'm going to hold him to that. We're going to come back around in a few weeks, and we're going to see if what he said, if he meant what he said. One night does not kill L.A. Knight, even though I think it was the wrong decision to make. Good things come to those who wait. We're going to find out. One other comment I wanted to make about this, which is uh, Cameron Grimes. I like Cameron Grimes. I became a fan of his in NXT, when at the beginning I really wasn't all that big of a fan but he won me over. His work is very good. Um, And I think that there's a a great underdog babyface in there that could get over one day uh, on the main roster. He certainly was not over tonight. And they put him in this match totally cold. He never got a proper introduction on this show. They debuted him. He made a handful of appearances on TV. But they pulled the feud with him and Baron Corbin. Actually, it was Vince McMahon. They were supposed to have a match several weeks ago. Vince canceled it. But I you know, I thought he was canceling the match. Apparently, he canceled the entire feud. Because now Baron Corbin is over in NXT, and they're trying to reboot him down there. Unfortunately for Cameron Grimes, that left him without a program. It left him without an opponent, and he's been languishing in the back. But then this week, all of a sudden, they throw him out there cold. So, of course, the people weren't reacting to him. They didn't care. There are people in the crowd who don't even know him. Maybe they saw him a couple of times on SmackDown. They got to do a better job of establishing him and getting him involved in something else. But as far as this match here, the reason he got no reaction is because how could he? They barely introduced him to the show before they pulled him from TV. So they got to get something going for him too.
2: No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Now coming back from the commercial break, they showed us in the crowd were the Cavender Twins uh, who were signed to deals. They have not actually started their training yet. For those of you who don't know who the uh, Cavender Twins are, uh, I'm not going to get into the whole thing here. I, I did a whole segment on them uh, on the podcast many weeks ago. I think the clip is on the channel as well, so... If you're not familiar with them, you want to know more about them, you can go back in the archives and find it. Backstage, they showed Jey Uso arriving at the building, and he was walking through the back, and along the way, he greeted Tony D'Angelo, fresh out of prison. He was there with his boy Stax. Then he turned, and he saw the Creed brothers, Julius and Brutus, who uh, lost lost their jobs in NXT. They lost the Loser Leaves NXT match a few weeks ago to the Dyad. Evidently, they're not being called up to the main roster. They're they're still going to bring them back to NXT. At least that's the the, the scuttlebutt. But there they were. They were hanging out in the back, and they uh, said hello to Jey Uso. Austin Theory walked up to Adam Pearce backstage, and he demanded a match tonight with Santos Escobar. And he made it very clear that this was not going to be a championship match, but as a matter of respect, he wanted to get his hands on Santos, so Pearce made the match official. They cut back to the arena and they showed in the crowd the NXT champion, Carmelo Hayes, who was there with Trick Williams. So, like I said earlier, you had basically the entire NXT roster (laughs) was cycled in and out on camera throughout the entire show. We were not done yet. But coming up next, we had Charlotte Flair going one-on-one with Ms. Money in the Bank, EO Sky. Again, this was a late addition to the show because of the uh, possible COVID positives. Some people were not able to appear. So uh, we ended up with this match. They showed the NXT Women's Champion, Tiffany Stratton, with her title. She was in the crowd. Here's a prediction for you. Actually, here's a spoiler. I'll, I'll pull a Paul Heyman on you. This is not a prediction. This is a spoiler. That in the next few years, we are going to see Charlotte Flair one-on-one at WrestleMania with Tiffany Stratton. Mark my words. So Bailey walked out with Io, which was a great sign. If you missed it, Bailey hurt her knee. Uh, in a match, at a live event the other night, there was some concern that it could be a serious injury, although she did leave on her own two feet, which was a positive sign. She was limping, but there was fan video of her leaving the arena that night. She was limping, uh, I guess, to her rental car. Uh, so a little injury scare. If if there is an injury, clearly it's a minor issue, but she wasn't on crutches. She wasn't in a wheelchair. She wasn't moving slowly. She She looked okay. Even better she sat in on commentary, and she spent most of her time on commentary uh, making fun of Michael Cole, which will never not be funny to me. I mean, it was one of the great joys of those pandemic shows, which there wasn't a whole lot of joy to be had, honestly, in the uh, empty performance center, but Bailey screaming and insulting Michael Cole is still one of my favorite parts of that. Now, there was a hilarious spot, hilariously awful spot, in this match, where Eo Sky came, they were outside the ring. EO Sky gets up on the apron and she comes off the apron and she's gonna do a hurricane rana to try to take Charlotte Flair over. So here comes Eo Sky. she jumps off the apron with the Rana attempt, and Charlotte responds with the single worst cell job on a hurricane rana that I think I have ever seen. I I'm struggling to find a, a cell as I go back in my memory bank. Worse than the one I saw here. Now, EO did nothing wrong. Her form, her you know everything was fine. EO Sky did nothing wrong. EO did her part. She did her half. Now it was up to Charlotte to complete the move and go over for it and sell the move. And so what ended up happening here is instead of immediately going over, tumbling over and selling the move, for whatever reason, Charlotte stood there for an extra second or two. She just stood there. And then she decided to do a forward roll and sell the move. It looked completely ridiculous. As ridiculous as it sounds, me describing it, it looked even worse on television. And I'm thinking to myself, how is this possible? How is this possible? This woman is is like a 1,700-time world champion. She's headlined WrestleMania, and she's had some great matches I mean, it's not the first time she's kind of had these these awkward cells in her matches. But this was like, <laughs> what the hell was going on here? So anyway, I'm sure somebody will clip it and gif it and put it on social media. But this was fucking terrible. Honestly, the, the early part, like the first half of this match, uh, was not good. But the match did pick up. Unfortunately for them, the crowd didn't seem to agree. So both women went to the top. Bailey at this point, she was starting to get worried, so she got up from the announce desk and she went over to go distract Charlotte. So as a result of that distraction, EO got a sunset power bomb for a two-well, she went over for the sunset and then she held her up and then gave her a a pretty pretty good power bomb, got a two-count out of it. When all of a sudden a Shotzi video randomly appears on the Titantron, And it's just images and video of Shotzi just acting all. Crazy. So, this is very concerning to Bailey, who's uh, clearly disturbed by this. And Bailey leaves the ringside area. So now Bailey is out of the picture. EO goes up to the top rope. She missed the moonsault. Charlotte went to the top. She tried a moonsault of her own, but she ate the feet of EO on the way down, right in the face. So the two of them traded roll up attempts. EO went back to the top. She missed a missile drop kick, and Charlotte caught her legs on the way down. She applied a Boston Crab, Eo countered into a roll-up for two, Charlotte came back with a spear for a near fall. So again, they were, they were really starting to pick up the momentum here in this match. Charlotte then tried for a German suplex, but EO rolled through, she hit a double stomp right to Charlotte's guts, knocked the wind right out of her, and then after trading roll-up attempts again, Charlotte hit natural selection and she got the win. The positive is the match picked up down the stretch, and they gave these two 15 minutes. So they gave them uh, quite a bit of time here, which, which was nice. It's just a shame the match wasn't better, because you look at who's involved in the match here, and I'm sure these two could have a much better match. Now, how late in the day did they find out they were working together? I don't know. Did they find out half an hour before the show? Did they find out three hours before the show? Because this match was not originally supposed to take place. So it is entirely possible that they had very little time to put a match together. Maybe they weren't on the same page. Maybe that would account for why the first half of the match was so clunky and and just not good. Uh, But as they continued on, it felt like the match got better. Unfortunately, in the negative here, the crowd was totally flat from the match from start to finish. crowd was totally flat. And we have had quite a number of WWE crowds of late. I mean, they've had sold-out crowds, near-sold-out crowds. They weren't sold-out tonight, but they were pretty damn close in Orlando. And the crowds have generally been pretty hot and pretty energetic and responsive to what they're seeing. Uh, That was not the case here in this match. And that's not good, considering that you had on one side of the ring, you had the Money in the Bank contract holder, and on the other side of the ring, you had a woman who is clearly going to go into the Hall of Fame on the first day that she becomes eligible. To go into the Hall of Fame. Although let's be honest. Everyone is going into the Hall of Fame. Even Stu. Stu the cameraman. Is going into the Hall of Fame. But you have on again on one side. Ms. Money in the Bank. And on the other side. You have one of the participants. In the championship match. At SummerSlam. And the crowd certainly didn't react to them like that. Now when the match was over. Asuka appeared behind Charlotte. She took her over with a German suplex and then she applied a cross-arm bar and she left Charlotte laying in the ring. No Bianca Belair, uh, even though, again, originally they were all supposed to, I believe, be in the ring to make the announcement about the match at SummerSlam. But uh, there will be a triple threat. It will be Asuka defending against both Charlotte and Bianca at Ford Field. Now we got a video of Dominic Mysterio winning the NXT North American Championship with an assist from Rhea Ripley on NXT on Tuesday night. So he won his very first singles title. He had won the tag belts with his dad once before, but this is his very first singles title. We got an interview with Dominic and Rhea in the back, and he said that he was on SmackDown. This is what he said. He said he was on SmackDown to show his deadbeat dad what a real champion looked like. He said that he was the champion for all of North America And his father was fighting over the title only for the United States. Butch walked up. And Butch challenged him to a match for the North American Championship because here we are in the home of NXT. Lo and behold, who should appear? Shawn Michaels. HBK in his cowboy hat pops up behind Butch. And he said that that sounds like a great idea. He said, Dominic Mysterio against... And he almost he almost said it. He almost slipped up. He so badly wanted to say Pete Dunn. It was so clear, clear as day. He wanted to say Pete Dunn, And he caught himself. And he said, Butch. And he said that he would head over to Adam Pierce's office to make it happen. Just change the man's fucking name back for crying out loud. Why hasn't it already been changed back? This is how you know Triple H does not have 100% of the power that he craves. Because if he did, he would already be Pete. He would already be Pete Dunn. Can't even say the fucking name. He would already be Pete Dunn. <laughs> he would not be Butch. He would not be But. You know, a couple weeks ago, I don't remember what match it was. I'm typing notes. Some brawling brutes tag team match. I'm typing notes, and uh, I almost caught myself because I was reviewing the match, and I noticed that it must have been. I don't think I made the mistake. It was probably word and like fucking autocorrected, but it said bitch. So it was supposed to say like Ridge Holland and Butch, and it said Ridge Holland and bitch. And I had to catch myself before I said, just change the guy's name back. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes in life, we're faced with tough choices. Do I go with ketchup or barbecue sauce on that burger? Do I or do I not go to the gym today? But then there are more serious decisions and the path may not always be clear. Maybe you're at a crossroads in your relationship with your significant other, or you've gotten a job offer and you're not sure if it's worth quitting your current job for. I've been in that situation before where I had to choose comfort and happiness over money and it wasn't an easy decision, but ultimately it was the right one for me. Whatever it may be, therapy can help you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life. You need to learn to have trust in the decisions that you make. Therapy can provide countless benefits like learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries it isn't just for people that have experienced trauma in their lives. If you've ever considered therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to fit conveniently into your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. They really do make the process very easy. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Salamonster. Backstage, Bailey and EO uh, were arguing in the back. Bailey looked over, and in her locker space, she saw her luggage, and she turned it around. I guess she could tell that the luggage was was moved in some way. She turned the luggage around, and <laughs> I guess, like, stabbed into the luggage with a pair of scissors that was still in the luggage was a photo of of herself was a photo of Bailey and obviously we know who did that so that spooked her and she just grabbed Dio and said let's get the hell out of here so they left uh, never to be seen again after this it was Austin Theory one-on-one <laughs> with Santos Escobar say say what does that say already Pete Dunn five times fast Yeah, I'm not going to do that. But it was non-title. It was Austin Theory and Santos Escobar was non-title. So you can pretty much guess how this went. Escobar avoided a suplex on the apron. He ended up landing in Enziguri. He followed that up with a missile dive to the floor. I mean, honestly, the best in the business. I've been saying it since the King Cuerno days. I mean, the, the velocity that he gets on these suicide dives is just a sight to behold. So he launched himself out of the ring at fucking 80 miles an hour and he knocked Austin Theory backwards onto the announce desk. Back in the ring Escobar picked up Theory for a Phantom Driver Theory slipped out. He took out the knee. Theory got an Ushigoroshi style backbreaker for another two count. He attempted the eight town down but Escobar avoided it. Both guys ended up on the top rope with Theory standing more on the ring post and Escobar pulled off a very impressive Super Rana where it looked like he kind of uh twisted his his uh, positioning his direction in midair hit a super rana off the top rope that popped the crowd big he followed that with a meteora in the corner and he hit the phantom driver for the win so santos escobar picks up the win over the united states champion in this non-title match theories work in the ring it's fine he's he's a perfectly capable in-ring performer, and I we've seen him have some very good matches before, Seth Rollins and, and people like that. He's just not very exciting. And at a time when, I mean, think about this. On SmackDown alone, you have Austin Theory, you have Grayson Waller, and if you want to throw L.A. Knight, you can throw L.A. Knight in there too. There are a lot of similarities between their characters, especially Austin Theory and Grayson Waller. So they've got to do something or theory has to do something to try to differentiate himself from other people. Because right now it just feels like generic heel number seven. There's just nothing to differentiate him from some of the other faces they have on that roster. And again, this U S title run that he has been on has been an absolute, just a, a fucking disgrace considering the position that he was elevated to heading into WrestleMania and where he is now. It is a disgrace. You would think that he was some kind of priority. He was almost like a Vince McMahon pet project. And just looking at the booking of him in the last few months, it just boggles the mind. So now it's a situation where the quicker they can get that championship off of him, the better, because not only is the U S title not doing anything for Austin theory, but Austin theory is not doing anything for the U S title. You see what has happened with the Intercontinental title on Raw, you see the way that Gunther and his booking, the way that it has in turn elevated the Intercontinental Championship, has been tremendous. The booking is the most important thing. They could do the same thing if they wanted to. With Austin Theory, they have just elected not to. Austin Theory is also not the performer that Gunther is. But... Whatever the case, whatever whatever you think of his uh, in-ring work, uh, this match here was meant to showcase Escobar, and I thought to that end, this was a success. So what does Escobar winning here mean for the match at, uh, well, I was going to say SummerSlam, but again, we don't know. We have to get past next week first to see who wins. Is it going to be Escobar? Is it going to be Ray? The winner of the match next week should be Santos Escobar. Rey Mysterio, I understand Rey Mysterio's a big star, Rey Mysterio can still go. I like Rey. Rey Mysterio does not need to win that match against Santos Escobar next week. Santos Escobar should be elevated by getting a win over Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio should, in effect, be passing the baton to his fellow LWO stablemate and letting him go on to challenge for the championship. So that is how the match next week should go. It should not be a Rey win. It should be an Escobar win. So now you get Theory and Escobar. What do you do? He already beat Theory once. This is WWE. Logic would dictate that now Austin Theory is going to get his win back. But no. No. That's not how it should work. Now, if the plan coming out of SummerSlam is to do L.A. Knight and Austin Theory, then you know what? Keep the U.S. title on Austin Theory if the plan is to transition the title to L.A. Knight. If the plan is not to transition the title to L.A. Knight, then the only outcome here should be Santos Escobar getting another win over Austin Theory. Whether it's at SummerSlam, whether it's on TV. None of this 50-50 booking bullshit. If you're going to push somebody, push them. Push them. One win over Austin Theory, great. Non-title, means nothing. Give them a second win over Austin Theory. Not only did I beat you, I beat you twice. And this time I took your title. That's how you show, okay, this guy's the real deal. So the worst thing they could do is the typical WWE 50-50 style of booking. By having Austin Theory cheat to win and he retains his title. No. Escobar wins next week. Escobar's the one they chose. Ride that horse. Escobar's very good. And if Escobar wins and he goes on to the title match, he should win there too. That should be the outcome. So now we go to the back where Bobby Lashley is hanging out. He's on his smartphone. In walks Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. They walked up to greet him. All three men were smiles. Michael Cole on commentary reminded us, uh, actually pointed out how interesting it was, that these three would be meeting to talk business in the back when last week we saw Bobby Lashley get into that limo with the Street Profits. And there was no follow-up to that. Uh, But it is a very very interesting development here, seeing Bobby Lashley meeting now with these two, especially since they're still in NXT. Uh, I I would say don't fuck this up. Whatever they're planning on doing, don't fuck this up. But this is WWE that we're talking about here. So we had Dominic Mysterio, one-on-one with Butch for the NXT North American Championship. It was officially sanctioned by uh, Mike from Grand Theft Auto. Three days into his reign, this was Dominic's very first title defense. Like I said earlier, member of the Raw roster defending an NXT Championship on SmackDown. Make it make sense. Make it make sense. I don't want to hear. Well, Dominic said that uh, you know he came to SmackDown to show his father what a real champion looks like. Since when does Dominic Mysterio make the fucking rules? Make it make sense. Butch landed a back elbow. He bent some of Dom's fingers and his wrist back. Rhea slipped Dom a chain behind the referee's back, but Ridge Holland ran down to the ring to steal the chain away. Butch then hit an X-Plex. He covered Dom. Dom kicked out. So here comes Kit Wilson pushing Elton Prince. So we have Pretty and Deadly coming out. Poor Elton Prince being pushed in a wheelchair. He had his arm in a sling after suffering a separated shoulder in their tag match with the Brawling Brutes last week. And look, if Elton Prince can't wrestle, Michael Cole on commentary said that he could be out for months. They have not reported on the severity of the injury. They might want to keep it quiet. You know, if it's not as serious, he could potentially be back in the ring in a matter of weeks. If it's a really badly separated shoulder, though, it it could be up to six months. There's just no telling how long he might be out for. If he's going to be out for a while, this is how you can use Pretty Deadly. There are other ways where you can get both of them on television. So they're not just going to be forgotten about. And you could still get them, you know, TV time by having them do other things. And if anybody has to get physical, it could be the healthy one. Uh, So... We saw them out here for, for this match here. Dominic tripped Butch in the ropes for a six-one-nine, 9 but Butch was able to avoid it. He landed a German suplex. Kit Wilson demanded an apology from Ridge Holland at ringside for what Ridge did to uh, Elton Prince last week. And then he punched him. So Butch came outside, he punched Wilson, and then when confronted by Ridge and Butch, Kit Wilson decided, I'm out of here. And he ran to the back and he left his poor tag team partner all alone by himself. In his wheelchair. And then miraculously, he stood up out of the wheelchair and he ran to the back. Well, I guess it's really not all that miraculous. He's got a separated shoulder. He doesn't have, he doesn't have separated kneecaps. So why wouldn't he be able to rock? I'm not sure why he was in the uh, the wheelchair to begin with, now that I think about it. It's not a leg injury. But he ran to the back. Rhea used the distraction to land a chop block to Butch on the apron as he was trying to get back in the ring. Dominic then ran him into the ring post, and he made a cover. Referee Jessica Carr initially refused to count the three because Dominic, his body was in the ropes, and she's trying to tell him, you're in the ropes, you're in the ropes. So it took, I don't know how many more seconds it was. It may have been another four or five seconds uh, that You know, Pete Dunn had to lay there for before Dominic finally, you know, pulled him over. They got away from the ropes, and it was the finish. So, you know, had to get him out of the ropes here. He wasn't supposed to kick out. And then finally, he pinned Butch to retain the title. The referees there, they're trained to call it like a shoot. So Jessica Carr did nothing wrong. She actually did her job as she is supposed to be doing it. You call it like a shoot. If the guy is in the ropes, you're not supposed to call or you're not supposed to count the 3. So that was that was all on Dominic there. That was not her fault. She had more sense than all of the referees in AEW do, I can tell you that. If this were AEW, they could have been they could have had their feet hanging out of the ring and Paul Turner or Rick Knox, they still would have counted the fucking 3.
2: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather. Now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family.
0: VDW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: So a win for Dominic. I'm gonna talk more about the Dominic Mysterio stuff on the podcast on Sunday, but um I did not mind him winning the championship on Tuesday. In fact, I think it was I think it was a good idea. I think it's gonna be great heat for the judgment day, and, and now all but Ballard have some sort of title or accolade in the Judgment Day. Rhea Ripley is the women's world champion. Dominic is the North American champion. Damian Priest has that money in the bank briefcase. It's all on Finn Balor now. Finn Balor has to go to SummerSlam and beat Seth Rollins to win that world heavyweight title, or else he's going to be the odd man out with nothing to show for it. So it fits the story. The show closed with The Bloodline. Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman, and Solo Sokoa out to the ring for their contract signing for Roman's SummerSlam match with Jey Uso. They were out there to discuss the rules of engagement. It's a fine movie back in the day. I believe that was, if I'm not mistaken, Samuel L. Jackson. Am I remembering correct? I believe that was over 20 years ago. The rules of engagement. So there was a table in the ring, as there usually is for these contract signings. Roman was at the head of the table. And he asked Jay if he still wanted to do this. And Jay said, yeah, he has to do this because Roman put Jimmy in the hospital. He said, you made me do this. Reminds me of the early days of this whole story when Roman first manipulated Jay into joining with him. remember, there was a segment on TV. This is back in the Thunderdome days and Jay was just almost in tears he couldn't even stare Roman in the face they were they were like this and he wouldn't even look him in the eye he kept looking down and he kept saying I hate you why are you do why, why are you doing me like this I hate you so Jay's sitting here saying you made me do this I got no choice Roman said Jay was just a pawn in this game and the crowd started to give him the what treatment So he threw down the microphone, he laughed it off, and he signed the contract. Jey Uso then violently grabbed the contract and he ripped it up. He opened the book, he took the contract, and he ripped it up into little pieces. He told Roman, he goes, we don't need no contract, this is our blood. He goes, this is tribal combat now. And Roman was a little taken aback by this notion of tribal combat. He asked Jay, do the elders know about this? Jay told him it was their idea. He said, tribal combat, that means anything goes. If I want to light you up with a stick, I can. If I want to use a chair, I can. If I want to put you through the announce table, I can. Or grab that lady's left slipper over there and smack you around with it, I can do that too. Not the left slipper. The right one is bad enough. Not the left one. I mean, first it was the chancla, and now we're talking about the left slipper. I mean, it only gets worse. So Roman told Orlando, and he told little Jay to shut their mouths. So now now he was visibly angry. He asked Jay if he thought this was his first rodeo. Like, I haven't been running this place for the past ten years. So he sat his not-so-undisputed title on the desk, on the table, and he stood up and he told him, let's go. And Jay said again, it's tribal combat now. And he slowly rose to his feet. Roman then removed the ulafala from around his neck. And he placed it on top of the championship. And both men walked around the table so that they can meet in the middle of the ring. And they shook hands shook hands and Roman went to go leave when Solo Sokoa snapped, he overturned the table, he grabbed Jay Uso, he reared back for the Samoan spike, and Roman stopped him. And then Jay delivered a super kick to Solo and he knocked Sokoa out of the ring. Now Roman was staring at Jay, Jay was staring at Roman. Roman then slowly exited the ring, and the two men stared at each other from afar to end the show. Michael Cole, on commentary, said that their match at SummerSlam looks to be not only for the championship, but also for the right to be the Tribal Chief. This was the weakest bloodline segment that they have done in a very long time, Uh, which is not to say that it was a bad segment, it just was not nearly as good as any of the other ones they've been doing in the past few months, it was not uh, in in that realm of quality um, and just frankly just not as interesting as some of the other bloodline segments that we've gotten uh, i also thought they did not do a great job of explaining the significance of the tribal combat stipulation you know other than it's it's basically no holds barred it's like it's like any extreme rules match or any kind of stipulation match in this company basically where We're going to see kendo sticks, and we're going to see chairs, and we're going to have people put through tables. It's the same bullshit we see in every single wrestling match these days, only they're calling it tribal combat. But Michael Cole, he did mention the winner um, being able to call themselves the tribal chief, and and we did have Roman laying the necklace down on top of the title. Uh, So clearly that was symbolic. I just think they could have done a better job of, of... really explaining what's on the line here in this match. Now, we still have a few weeks to go before SummerSlam. I'm sure we'll get video packages and stuff. There may be a more formal explanation. Maybe we'll get some of the elders to be on TV. You know, I, I'm surprised that we haven't had Rikishi pop up at some point for some kind of segment throughout this entire Bloodline thing. It may yet happen. But we still have a few weeks left to go. Overall, though, I thought that this was not, this was not a great episode of SmackDown. This was not, overall, a great episode of SmackDown. Uh, next week, Rey Mysterio will have his match with Santos Escobar to crown a number one contender for the U.S. title. And hold on to your socks, everybody. We got Karrion Cross going one-on-one with Carl Anderson. I don't know about you, but I, I sure can't wait for that. That's going to be a barn burner next week. So that's your uh, SmackDown lineup for next Friday, at least until it changes. Check the Twitter poll. 51% thumbs up and a uh, roughly 49% thumbs down score. So we almost have an even split between the thumbs up and thumbs down for SmackDown. Which is pretty much in line with what I just said. This was not a great episode. So it's right there almost on the equator line. You can go vote at Sala Monster. Let me know what you thought of the show tonight. Hey, Bobby's World, thank you for that gifted membership. Uh, Anis a brand new member thanks to uh, Bobby's World so thank you for that and that's Smackdown did I make myself clear enough on the LA night stuff am I making sense I'm Trying to be, I'm trying to be sensible here I'm not trying to say all hope is lost I'm just saying that this is a company that sometimes will you know cut off its nose to spite its face I don't want to see them squander what could be a golden opportunity with a brand new star, uh, Lady Fire Panda. With that twenty-one dollar super chat after all the gifted memberships earlier, says I refuse to elaborate on this or the gifted subs. There you go. You know, in the uh, in the world of uh, PR, that would be a no comment. Fire Panda does not care to comment. We are at 350 likes, by the way. Let's try to get to 400. Get those likes up. Shin Super Kick Akuma with a pair of Super Chats here. A five and a two. He says Ibushi giving himself the thumbtack spot. LOL. Yeah, I thought that was very stupid. Look at look at Kareem in the chat spreading lies. Spreading lies. Scott Woodford, welcome to Chili's, everyone. Okay. DHV Smoking Trees with the $20 super chat. So, are they se- desperately and suddenly forcing NXT on us? It feels like they want us to know them and associate NXT as an actual third brand. And then maybe Ray and Dominic merge the U.S. and the North American title. It kind of seems urgent. No, I didn't didn't, uh, get that sense at all. I don't think they're doing any kind of uh, title unification. And yes, if if it feels like they're forcing NXT upon you, the reason they're doing that is because they're in the middle of TV rights negotiations. And so they want to get the best possible deal. They want to make NXT look as attractive as possible. And it's been working so far. You know, All the Judgment Day and the main roster talent that's been popping up there, the numbers for NXT have been up. And honestly, you know, putting some NXT faces on television is not a bad thing. There's nothing. There's nothing uh, bad about that. But there's a very specific reason why they are doing what they are doing right now. Of all times, why are they doing it now? It should be very obvious why they're, doing it. they're trying to get. They're trying to get the best possible deal they can. They want you to believe that NXT is the third brand. Again, NXT is only developmental. It's only described as developmental when it's convenient to do so. When it's convenient for them to call it developmental, well, it's the developmental show. When it's not, and they want it to be something else, it's the third brand. Pretty much, whichever way the wind blows, whatever's going on in the world, whatever's convenient, that's how they'll describe NXT. Uh, Dylan with the four ninety nine. Couldn't watch the show live so counting on the stream as always was seeing Oppenheimer, which everyone should go see There you go a lot of people went to see uh, Barbenheimer today. How many of you saw Barbenheimer the double bill? Apparently a lot of people did I was not one Brian Anthony Rivers Bluey, Dunn crossed over into wrestling. Bluey? Who's Bluey? Uh, Jessica Herman, LA Knight losing. Killed it for me tonight. F you, Vince McMahon. Uh, DEH Sires. Think you were right about LA Knight when he had that sloppy match with Ray. Even tonight, there was so many late spots and sloppiness during the match. Yeah, and, I, and I, I've I mentioned it both times. I don't shy away from it just because I'm an L.A. Knight fan, and I, I would like to see them capitalize on the popularity that he has right now uh, because he is, he is unique from a lot of the other talent they have on the roster right now. Even if you think he's, you know, too similar to the stars of the past, there aren't really very many people on the current roster there like him. He just has that little bit of extra charisma that the crowd has gravitated to. So I don't want to see them. I don't. I don't want to see them squander that. I want to see them take advantage of it. Even if I wasn't an LA Knight fan, I would want to see them take advantage of it. But you know, when he goes in there and has a, an off night or he's sloppy or whatever, you know. You gotta call it like you see it. You know there might be other people who have an agenda who are gonna be like, "Oh, this is a great match." La Knight looked great. No, he didn't. He didn't. And that's okay as long as it doesn't become a pattern. Because what's gotten him over are not his matches. As long as he can work a capable match, that's fine. What's gotten him over is all the other stuff. But when he when he goes in there and has an off night, you gotta point it out. And believe me, WWE is seeing that. Vince McMahon is seeing that. That's why, after he had that match with Ray all those weeks ago, and they kind of fucked up the last few minutes there, it's like, that's bad news for LA Knight. You think they're going to blame Rey Mysterio for that? Of course not. They're going to blame him. All eyes are on him right now. So when he goes in there, he has to try to be perfect in every match that he's in. So when I see him go out there, and this spot is blown, or he looks a little tentative there, or, oh, shit, he slipped off the rope, I'm thinking in my head, oh, man. Because I could just picture them in the back watching that going... You don't have it. And it could sometimes it could be something very simple like that that can just kill entire push. If they don't think that you've got it, you're done. You're dead. So he's got to go out there in matches like this and put on the fucking performance of a lifetime. And show them that he can do all of these things and he can be a rely, you know, relied upon star to go in there and deliver. Because when he doesn't, it works against him. Uh, Down Bed says LA Knights loss tonight will send him into a downward spiral, which will lead to the return of Max Dupree. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. You know what? I could I could see Vince McMahon doing that too. I could see that happening. I can't even I don't even want to laugh at that because it could actually happen. Uh Jazz Jackrabbit, give us the Solomonster trading card super chat. I told somebody to remind me. I can I can scan it in. The old uh Solomonster Little League baseball card. Erasmo Solis with the $20 super chat. I feel like I haven't heard from Erasmo in a very long time. It says, uh, I tuned in to watch LA Night win. Been watching this Vince McMahon book product for more than 30 years. I should have known then. You really should have. The comedic genius, night was ruined at the start. Push LA night, WTF. William L. Sending a super chat on behalf of the man with no name who cannot do so. That's right. The man with no name, I think, is in another country. He said he couldn't send in a super chat. So look at this. William sent one for him. Says, Thank you, Sala Monster, for your tireless dedication to the channel. I salute you. Dallas with the $5 super chat. Fans should hijack the U.S. title match at SummerSlam with LA Night chance, so they literally cannot ignore it. Triple H needs to deviate from Vince here. I I am not going to recommend that because something like that could actually work against the guy. So I would not recommend doing that, but uh, you're also assuming there's even going to be a U.S. title match at SummerSlam in the first place. I am not convinced that there will be. Hey Nitty Gritty became a sound off superstar. What's going on, Nitty? Lady Fire Panda! As the lady of the chat, let me be the first to say hello to the 35 new GWO members. And now that you are all in my debt, I expect my grass to be cut at 10 o'clock tomorrow. So you know what you need to do. You better cut her grass. Better cut her grass. Pull some weeds. Do whatever you gotta do because Lady Firepanda has been very generous to me. We are 20 likes away from 400 I'm being told. So uh, that's very cool. Max with the two bucks. Could LA Knight challenge Roman Reigns after SummerSlam?
2: No. Yeah.
1: Honestly, that would be probably the worst thing that he can he could do, because we all know how that's going to go. So, I think there there are certainly other things you could do. That's why I was so big on the U.S. title. You'll notice, I wasn't advocating that he should be the one to challenge Roman Reigns for the championship, because I try to be realistic about these things. That's not going to happen and end well for LA Knight. He'll just be another victim, and when he loses, he'll lose interest in The U.S. title, not that there's this great plethora of, of, of challengers waiting in the wings for him but at least if he wins the US title it gives him something it gives him something some sort of accomplishment some sort of achievement then he can defend it against different people it's, it's not realistic to think that they're going to put him in there with Roman Reigns and he's going to win so you got to ask the question do you want to see him wrestle Roman Reigns coming out of SummerSlam knowing full well that he is not going to win are you okay with that because at least he'll be in a good position for a few weeks or for a month. Or, like me, would you rather they do other things with him and, you know, kind of build him up a little bit more? And who knows, maybe in a few months, maybe at the beginning of next year, maybe his name is in the conversation when it comes to the Royal Rumble. I don't think he's going to win the Royal Rumble, no matter how hot he gets. I don't see it. As I sit here in July, I don't see it. It does not mean that he cannot be in a good position, but I just don't see that happening. I still feel like it's it's Gunther's or Cody's to win when it comes to the Royal Rumble next year. But for people wanting him to go and challenge Roman Reigns, you, you, better, you better stop and ask yourself if that's really what you want. If you're, if you're a big LA Knight fan, if you really want to see him do well, I don't think that that's necessarily the best course of action. Uh, Rob G says, Most played out theme song ever. Had to be Seen It played out theme song? You mean literally like the number of times that it's been played or just played out to the point where you're sick of hearing? I think for me it might be Miz. I'm kind of sick of
4: That's chumbacasino.com. No
2: purchase necessary. BGW. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh,
1: Slipper house. Extra, extra in a slipper house. Is this the left slipper that Jey Uso was talking about in the closing segment? The cave-in against the brogue kick is laughable. (laughs) It is. It is. It is very laughable. Anderson Blitz. Plot twist. Triple H is mad that LA Knight got over by himself. Well, that is certainly possible, too. That that would also be a very WWE thing. Hoofman Entertainment. Knight seems to be getting over on his own, and we all know how big of a no-no that is. Yes, we do. Dr. Scorpio, give Knight his own talk show segment and call it the LA Experience. Sorry, I had to. No, you, you really didn't, actually. But you did anyway. Red Emissary of Darkness I fail to see Santos's appeal outside of Latino he's a very good wrestler he's a very good wrestler if you're looking for someone who can cut promos and can be funny and can do all these different things we, we really haven't we haven't seen him yet uh have the chance to go out there and and do any of that it was kind of a quick transition out of nowhere where he went from being a heel to being you know part of the lwo and he's not even the top guy in the lwo but the thing about him i think that people like and i think that the company likes we've been hearing for years they're trying to create the next big latino star for a long time, they thought they had it. They thought they had that person in Alberto Del Dipshit. It turned out not to be the case. So still to this day, even in 2023, because it is such a big market, they have a lot of fans, I mean, you know, in, in all different parts of the world and different places who are big WWE fans, and they want to tap into that market. So they're looking for that next big Latino star. I don't know if it's Santos Escobar, but if, you know, if they're going to try, I mean, I think that's a great spot for him to be in. What works to his advantage is he's he's fluent in English, right? They've signed a lot of talents from all parts of the world. Japan, Mexico, other countries who don't speak the language or they're not fluent in the language as great as they may be in the ring. That's not an issue for him. So this is a company that relies very heavily on promo ability, your verbal skills. It works to his advantage that he can speak fluent English. He kind of checks all the boxes that they that they look for. He's not super over, but he's definitely more over now than he was before. Giving him the rub from Rey Mysterio, giving him the rub from the LWO stuff, and when they had Bad Bunny come in, he was part of that whole thing. That helped. That was smart of them to do that. But he's still, he's not over at a high level. I think with him it's going to take time. I think the crowds are responding a little bit better to him now, but you know, still, when he's out there by himself... There's still a lot of work to be done. You know, there's still a long ways to go. But he checks a lot of the boxes, you know, that they're looking to, to check. So if they want to strap the rocket to him, and, and I'm not saying world champion, but strap the rocket to him and give him a big push, you're not going to get any argument out of me. You know, he's a very good talent, and uh, I I hope big things for his future. I have no issue with them if they want to push Santos Esc- Escobar. Eric Deshaun says at this point Vince is going to revive the 24-7 title and put it on LA Night just to make the fans shut up. And he'll get that 24-7 title over more than anybody else before. Jay Glow, time for you to change your name to Shillow Monster. Don't be so naive. WWE will not push LA Night, and you know it. This show was terrible. Well, it certainly was not the greatest SmackDown, but uh, here you go. Jay Glow has no hope, no optimism whatsoever. He says LA Knight basically is buried. We'll see who's right and who's wrong. Dithronic seventy-eight. If Roman loses by disqualification, say if Solo jumps in, does Jay become the tribal chief and not just? Or does he become the tribal chief but not the champion? Well, again, they they didn't do a very good job of explaining any of this, so... um, And I don't think they're going to explain that. They're not going to come out and say, well, if Jay wins by disqualification, he'll still be the... No, the champion. Whoever the champion is going to be coming out of SummerSlam will be the tribal champion. DEH Sire says US title match is going to be on a SmackDown. SummerSlam already has nine matches, so I doubt they add that one also. And the crowd tonight was terrible. Yeah, the crowd was uh, the crowd was not great tonight. Uh, Marquan 1976 says, Hey solo, thank you for keeping me laughing as I go through some rough times. I am sorry to hear that, Marquan. I hope that uh, it's not anything too serious. Yeah, we are all we are all here for you. Always here for you Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. You know. Nash DTV Wanted to ask what rock movie do you think is his best movie? For me, I would say the 2004 remake of Walking Tall was his best. I I like that movie. He did a movie and I forgot what the name of it was. It was one of the earlier movies that he did after he went full-time to Hollywood. I Oh god, I don't remember the name of it. It was like a serious movie. It was it was um was he a truck driver? Or there was something with him in a truck? I don't know. Somebody in the chat, if you... if you... I'm making sense here. What was the name of that movie that he was in? Because I want to say that one. Hey, Poppy. Poppy became a sound of legend. I am your Poppy. John Falchetta, Theory Retains, comes out on SummerSlam, issues an Open Challenge, LA Knight accepts, and wins the US title. There you go. John Falchetta just booked it right there. They do the U.S. title. Ma- well, let's 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 map this out though, because next Friday is the 28th. Okay, so they're going to do the match with Ray and Escobar on the 28th. They would have to do the match then. I, I guess the following Friday would be the night before Summerslam. So if they do the match with Theory and Escobar on the fourth, Theory gets his win back, retains the title does the open challenge. It's Summerslam L.A. Knight comes out and wins. I think that would work great. That would be a fine idea. I mean, poor, poor Santos Escobar, but <laughs> yeah, I think I, I, I could get behind that. Snitch. Okay, maybe it was Snitch. Is that the name of the movie that I'm thinking of? No, it wasn't the rundown. Yeah, I, look, I haven't seen Snitch since the first time I saw it, but I remember, I remember liking that. So again, maybe maybe I'm wrong Maybe I need to go back and rewatch that movie But I remember liking that movie Connor says Was at Smackdown tonight The chairs in the front rows were all littered with LA Knight signs Makes you wonder why they do this But don't put him over I feel like they're testing him Could be a test You know, WWE They, they do these things sometimes It could just be a test to see How the fans respond uh, the Mount Vernon Kid, Christopher Bennett. Hey, Solo, got to give Cole some props with his call about how Dominic keeps winning. LMAO. Also, rest in peace to the legend, Tony Bennett. DEH Cyrus says Charlotte is lazy unless it is a pay-per-view match. Anis with the 999, his very first Super Chat think Rikishi will hit Roman with his car at SummerSlam? Mostly a Ford. So Rikishi is going to run down Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. Now the question is, Rikishi ran down Stone Cold, but he did it for Triple H, right? He did it for somebody else. So who would he be running down Roman Reigns for? You? If we assume Jey Uso wouldn't ask him to do that, would it be Jimmy? Is Jimmy going to go to his dad? Or maybe we find out Solo did it. There's a twist. We find out that Solo Sokoa is the one who told his father to run down Roman. Juan Ocampo, Solo in denial with LA Knight. He is getting Mizdowed. But we'll see. Tox Kazim. I like what Bobby is cooking. I am intrigued I am intrigued to see where that ends up James Cooper Remember years ago when Triple H said There's no such thing as 50-50 booking LA Knight is a perfect example One week he wins, the next week he is a geek But he hasn't won in weeks He's lost more than he's won He won that one match against Rey Mysterio In the lead up to Money in the Bank That's it He's lost three or four other matches otherwise Including Money in the Bank At some point he has to start racking up wins or he loses whatever credibility he has with the audience at some point they will catch on to the fact that he's a loser and that's when you're dead in the water you don't want that to happen nitty-gritty with the 999 i think la is going to be a victim of getting over and the e killing his push especially if he's botching what do you think especially that he's over 40 or does that not matter it shouldn't matter they got plenty of people on that roster a lot older than him Uh, He's not over 40. He is 40. or Maybe he's between 40 and 41, but it should not matter. I can't tell you it doesn't matter. It probably does to some degree in their eyes that he's not, you know, a a young guy anymore. You know, young as compared to the other people on the roster, but um, the other stuff that you mentioned there, yeah, I just just talked about that before. As far as the, uh, some of the rough Spots and the matches and stuff, you know. If that if that continues, I don't know if it's just that he's nervous. I, I, you know, who knows? But the more that happens, the more that's going to work against. Him. Home Slice, nineteen ninety eight. He's solo monster. First time donating. Long time listener. Is night in limbo the next two weeks? What can he even say or do at this point? I like John's idea that he just mentioned a few minutes ago. Uh, it would it would be. Bad for Santos Escobar, but they do the U.S. title match on the Friday before SummerSlam, and Theory retains. And he does an open challenge the next day at SummerSlam, and LA Night wins. So that would still that would get us to the destination that we should have been in in the first place. And it would be a big moment for him, a big surprise moment. And I'm sure the people would go nuts for it. That's why I said, I, I'm not. I know, and look, I don't blame some of you after tonight who were jumping on the on the LA night is done. You should have known better. Bandwagon here, but I, that's why I say Triple H saying good things come to those who wait. I'm willing to wait until SummerSlam and that first summer that first SmackDown after SummerSlam, and let's see if he lives up to what he said. Good things come to those who wait. That's what he said. Is he a liar? Is he lying to us, or is he telling the truth?
2: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for
1: details. Wolfman Entertainment saw the unauthorized true story of American gladiators from the 90s on Netflix. Highly recommend if you used to watch that show back in the day. I do plan on watching that at some point. And Eric, L.A. Night Against Edge at SummerSlam. Edge wants to see if L.A. can swim. (laughs) No. No, I wouldn't do that. Edge is not going to be at SummerSlam. Edge is not going to be at SummerSlam and I don't I don't like that because Edge is a babyface and he probably would get booed honestly against LA Knight. I just don't I don't think that works. I don't think that's necessary. It made sense to do that with Grayson Waller. It, it helped establish him. You don't need to you don't need to do that with LA Knight. LA Knight Just walk out in any building and you'll see. He's already established enough. I don't think that uh, he needs the rub from Edge. Like maybe some other people could use. He don't need it. He don't need the rub. But yeah, let us hope that it is not another uh, Rusev Day situation here with L.A. Knight. Certainly not a lot of confidence inspired. After this uh, show tonight. So thank you for the likes. We are up well over 400. You guys uh, certainly came through on that end tonight. And so let us go ahead and be the booker. Ladies and
2: gentlemen, it is now time to be the booker.
1: You know, Ring of Honor had a pay-per-view tonight, Death Before Dishonor. I am looking forward to going back and watching Claudio and Pac. That's the match I was really looking forward to the most. From what I understand, though, I think they were actually headlining with the women's title match. I think they were headlining with Athena and Willow Nightingale. So, I don't know if they did or not, but that's what I heard before the show. That was the plan. So, let's be the booker. We're going to kick things off here with the men. know, you recently... Rebooted this so we have some new faces in here. Kick things off here with Sting. Not only Sting, but this is Surfer Sting. Probably still my favorite version of Sting, is Surfer Sting. There he is with Tony Schiavone off in the corner, WCW Saturday night. This is the Sting that I grew up with, watching Sting, Invader, the King of Cable. Those great matches they had in 92 and 93. The White Castle Strap, uh, what what is it again? The White Castle of Fear. That's what it was. The White Castle of Fear Strap Match. Sting one-on-one with Cody Rhodes. Sting and the American Nightmare. Cody Rhodes. Now, if Cody had never left AEW, I wonder if that would have been a match at some point. See, Sting, Sting really hasn't done, uh... Many singles. Has he done any singles matches? Now that I think about it. <laughs> I don't think he has. Might we have seen Sting and Cody? I don't know. But there. hey, that's a main event match on any show. That's certainly a headline attraction right there. gets Surfer Sting against Cody Rhodes. All right, here we go. On the ladies' side, we begin with the ninth wonder of the world. China, the former Intercontinental Champion, former Women's Champion. China one-on-one with Alexa Bliss. Now I'll tell you why I'm giving it the bell, and not just because if I didn't, you know, Bliss fan would uh, spontaneously combust in the chat. I'm going to give it the bell because, well, for two reasons. Number one, it would be as far as the women go. It would be a marquee match. I mean, Alexa Bliss—believe it or not—Alexa Bliss has I don't even know how many titles between Raw and SmackDown. She's won a whole bunch of championships. China, her—you know—her resume speaks for itself. But the other thing that I think would be very entertaining is to watch China uh, whip her around like a rag doll, like she did to Terry Reynolds, <laughs> because she would destroy. Alexa Bliss, and I think that could be a lot of fun to watch. And I got nothing against Alexa, I just think it could be very entertaining. Sorry, Bliss fan. But uh, watching watching her shake her around like a rag doll could be very entertaining. Five-time? Yeah, five-time singles champion. But you got to admit, against China, it would be a mismatch. Against China, it would be a mismatch. All right, here we go, tag team time. We begin with the former WWF tag team champions, the Colossal Connection of Andre the Giant and Haku. And Haku is somebody not to be fucked with. As all the stories go over the years, you do not want to mess with this man. Andre the Giant and Haku. Now, unfortunately, Andre was very much not in his physical prime during that period, but let's see. Let's see who the Colossal Connection will be facing off with here in our main event. It will be... Oh my goodness. The Colossal Connection against the Young Bucks. You get Andre the Giant in the ring with Matt and Nick Jackson. I think Andre would just fall on them and squash them. That would be the end of the Young Bucks. You ever hear that old story down in Mexico? There was some kind of, I think a six-man tag, maybe. And uh, Andre was down there, Bad News Brown, Bad News Allen. He was down there. Poor Bad News. I guess Andre was having a bad day. He had a bad burrito or something. I don't know. But Andre was uh, not feeling too well. He was not feeling too well. And unfortunately, Andre had some, uh, he had some diarrhea. By the way, you know, I hear that uh, diarrhea is hereditary. It's true. Diarrhea is hereditary. That's a true thing. It runs in your genes. I'll show myself out. Anyway, Andre had the runs, and he had the runs on uh, Poor Bad News. When he gave him a, a butt squash, a butt splash in the corner, as a visual for you. Imagine him doing that to the Young Bucks. Oh boy. I I'm sure there are some people who would enjoy seeing that. Not the Young Bucks. I don't think they'd like that at all. I am going to be back on Sunday with you for the flagship. That's going to be Sound of Episode eight eighteen. I might be going live as well for collision tomorrow and I, I won't make any promises right now to you. I'm leaning towards going live. Uh, simply because I'm I'm not I'm probably not going to be able to the next two weeks. Uh, I'm probably not going to be around next Saturday. And then the following Saturday is SummerSlam. So, (laughs) sorry, Collision. That's not happening. So, uh, I'll try to be live tomorrow night if I can. But Sunday is episode 818 of the podcast. And, uh, of course, uh, we do all of the live streams next week. We got Raw, we got Dynamite, and we got SmackDown next Friday. So, a lot of content coming up. Be well. Stay safe. Have yourselves a, a great night rest of your weekend wherever you may be and uh, we'll do it all over again very soon right here on the youtube channel i'll see you next time take care guys
2: website for details.